Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Flavelle, and today is, gosh, when is it? December 9th, 2022, and welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast Day. It is a Friday. It is a Holy Wazdi Day, and I'm blessed to be with two analysts for McKinney Flavelle that do an amazing job. Kevin Combs, Vice President of McKinney Flavelle. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Michael. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. Yes, thank you, Kevin. And and, and uh, we're also joined by Eric Thornton, uh, Commodity Specialist for McKinney Flavelle. Hello, Eric. Hello, Mike. Hey, everybody. You know what, Eric? I'm just so surprised Kevin showed up today because if all your listeners know out there, he threatens not to show up for Wazi recaps if they're Friday. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kevin, you did it again. Is it? It's just because. Uh, what, what was it? Well, I, I hate to see my vacation uh, balance not maxed out. So yes. rather than take another day off, I just wanted to make sure that uh, balance stayed maxed out this time. There you go. Okay, smart man. Listeners, there's your answer. I, th- I think it's just because you you love to do the analytical work on sugar and in the the markets in general and, and love to present it. <laughs> there, that? there is that, and and thank you for recognizing that. But uh, yeah, yeah welcome, there Kevin. there wasn't a lot to to really get uh, excited about today across really any of the commodities, which not necessarily unusual for December, but you know usually you see something to talk about. I think the USDA was thinking people have a lot of holiday activities and things to do. And mm-hmm. it was a pretty brutal year. And um, for those listeners out there, we will do our end of the year recap. Uh, so look forward to that near the end of the year here. But yeah, I think they were probably giving people a breather, which I, I think is uh, well-deserved. Definitely deserved. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's start with the proud new father, Eric. <laughs> uh, and Eric... Uh, uh, why don't you start and talk uh, a little bit about wheat and uh, maybe a little corn, and if you want, some soybean. Yeah, thanks, Mike. And uh, to, to the point earlier, Kevin probably could have taken vacation and really not missed a whole lot because there was mm. not many changes in the grain complex. And really starting with wheat first, balance looking at the U.S. balance sheet, that is, no changes. But if you kind of dig a little bit further into the wheat by class numbers, There was some slight massaging of export figures there where we saw some increase to hard red spring uh, exports and a or excuse me, an increase to soft red winter exports, but a decrease to white and hard red spring. So, but those really netted out to be no change uh, where exports remain at 775 million bushels. I think, you know, arguably that category could have been revised lower with continued poor sales that we're seeing each week uh, with the U.S. remaining very uncompetitive, specifically to exports out of Ukraine and Russia at this point. So maybe USDA was waiting till, you know, January or sometime in Q1 to make another modification to that number. But arguably, um, and what I was planning to see was maybe another 15 or so million bushels come out, which would have boosted our ending stocks figure up from the, the current 571 million bushels. But nonetheless, we stay there. We remain, from a stock standpoint, the tightest since 07, 08, and just not a whole lot to talk about. And the U.S. balance sheet, a um, little bit more in the way on the global aspect where we were anticipating some increases to Australia, 
now having a third consecutive record crop, and USDA did bump that up about 2 million metric tons to 36.6 million total. And we were also anticipating to see further revisions lower to Argentina's drought-stricken wheat crop. So they shaved production there by 3 million metric tons, and now Argentina's crop's just sitting at 12.5 million metric tons, which is 45% below last year's crop, which was a record just above 22 million metric tons. So really, you know, those were expected, but not a lot changing um, when it all nets out to stocks, you know, there was some lower revisions to demand and for the third consecutive month now and third WASDE report, global stocks stay at 267 million metric tons. So I guess really, you know, no shockers, no surprises, pretty much in line with expectations with even the minor adjustments made. So at this point for wheat, not um, much to talk about here for the last WASI report of 2022. And kind of quickly transitioning to corn, uh, similar, where very minor change in the, the U.S. balance sheet, and one that was expected on the topic of exports, USDA did ratchet that down 75 million bushels to now 2.075 billion as the new target. And similar to wheat, uh, we've continued to see very weak U.S. corn exports lagging some 48% or so behind last year's number. So that uh, was taken into account. Um, USDA didn't make any changes in the November report, so definitely was overdue. And, you know, that'll be certainly a topic to monitor or a category to monitor into the first quarter of next year is will we continue to see corn exports lag and kind of drift off. So not not much change in the U.S. balance sheet. So really the ending stocks bump up modestly to $1.25 billion, you know, slightly behind last year's crop, 21-22. And that you know, number could inch a little bit higher if we do see some lower demand for corn into the first quarter. But all in all, fundamentals remain tight there um, and historically bullish. And globally, again, very limited. And the changes, maybe the one head scratcher was no adjustments to Argentina when it comes to corn. So just like wheat, definitely Argentina has been dealing with a lot of uh, dryness, drought, and extreme heat with La Nina fully uh, entrenched there. And USDA, though, stays at their 55 million metric ton target. But by many estimates, including uh, you know Nicole and us here at McKinney, we feel that that crop's only going to trend lower here on out. Um, you know, still early. So maybe that's the only hesitation at this point from the USDA. Maybe they want to see how things are panning out in January, February. But, you know, you could argue that some damage has already been done to those, uh, to the corn crop specifically that's been planted there. So that that probably inches closer to 50 million metric tons over time. And, you know, to the extent the dryness lingers on, you know, we'll see where that falls, but no change there yet. Brazil didn't change either, still early for them. And, you know, they're looking at their main Safrinha crop yet to be planted uh, later in Q1. So most of the production loss we did see though, was from the the total foreign category Uh, that dropped six and a half million metric tons. So just kind of getting some true up here at the end of the year, it appears. And then also of note, 
which we've seen pretty much all season is some Ukrainian corn revisions. They actually slashed now um, Ukraine corn production by four and a half million metric tons. So just continued kind of flip-flopping of numbers there and not able to get concrete information um, with what's going on, obviously, in Ukraine. So their crop falls down to uh, 26 and a half million metric tons. But um, we've now seen Global stocks trickle a bit lower here for two consecutive months. We're back below the 300 million metric ton level for the first time since uh, 2122. But really, no action noted from a corn futures standpoint. We're really just uh, you know minorly or minor adjustments pre-report, one or two cent change difference, and seeing kind of the same thing here post-report. So looks as though uh, you know we didn't really get too much in the way of change. And that was actually kind of expected. So that's kind of what I see on wheat and, you know, filling in on corn. But uh, Kevo, I don't know if you had any comments on soy or, or what you saw there. I don't think we, we had much change in that category either. No, I, I really uh, didn't see any changes to get excited about. They seem to not be uh, hitting on South America yet either, which, you know, there's some things there to be worried about, particularly Argentina, but uh, all quiet for today. Great. Uh, Kevin, would you like to uh, dive into uh, something sweet, and that's sugar? Oh, I'd love to talk about sugar, as you know. Favorite subject here, and you know, it's fairly quiet uh, estimates today. There wasn't a lot to get excited about. A little bit more concerned about the beet crop, because the USDA decided to lower their estimate at 67,000 tons, so now they're at 4.927 million tons. And, you know, they basically cited in the uh, SMD report that they're looking at some lower uh, tonnage of beets available for processing, and they took their yield down uh, three-tenths for the average yield. And, uh, yeah, kind of a pessimistic number. But I think what you really got to look at with the beet crop, and, you know, we've been suggesting a little bit higher numbers here for the last few months versus what USDA estimate goes, and they, they keep surprising us by going the opposite direction. And, and it looks like it's all just based on fiscal adjustments. Because when you look at the crop estimate, they're at, uh, I think, 5.158 million tons. But then when you look at early harvest next year and the way they're calculating, I'm a little confused here because uh, they seem to think it's going to be lower. I think you certainly would look historically at what early harvest is and it just doesn't make sense. So when I look at the beet crop from a fiscally adjusted number, the way they report it, I still expect it to show somewhere closer to what the current production number is. And uh, I guess we're just going to have to see over time if they make those revisions and changes or not. But uh, you know, the actual crop, when you look at it from what is going to be produced is probably around 5.15 million tons, maybe a little bit lower with some of the little bit of lower numbers and stuff they're projecting, but not significantly. On the positive side, we did get uh, additional 20,000 tons of cane production. Again, 19,000 of that coming into uh, Louisiana. So now at uh, 2,025,000 short tons raw value. So a phenomenal record crop in Louisiana and uh, again, surpassing Florida is the largest uh, production of raw sugar from a state level. So that's good. And uh, December is also one of those key months outlined by the amended suspension agreements. 
in which we reset the stocks to use ratio at 13.5%. Of course, Mexico being the residual supplier of raw sugar is the key for where uh, establishing their quota to meet that 13.5%. And as a result of lower beet production, they had to raise Mexico imports by 52,000 tons, which is interesting because last month, USDA actually kind of set the stocks to use ratio at 13.5% just based on Mexico's number being lower based on how much sugar is available. Well, USDA maintained all of Mexico's estimates on production, and in order to make that additional sugar available, they actually lowered their uh, domestic production a little bit, 39,000 metric tons, and uh, thus were able to come up with those additional exports to offset and make up for the lower beet production and uh, slightly higher cane production. So we're back to the 13.5% stocks-to-use ratio. And basically, that gives Mexico 80% of 1.477 million tons guaranteed for the new crop year. And uh, we'll uh, just have to see how things evolve through March when they uh, finally settle it. Because there's still a couple areas on the balance sheet that are a little questionable beyond what we talked about on beet production possibly being higher. But the USDA is also still carrying 75,000 tons in the high-tier tariff estimate. And I got to believe that's going to end up being much higher, especially with the market being as tight as it is on a lot of cases. Now, the one reason why I don't think it'll be 390,000 tons this year is we ended up with much, much higher raw sugar stocks. But when you look at the refined TRQ and particular what's going on with organic you know they're still getting low numbers imported there so i'm sure that's going to come into play and end up with a lot of uh additional supplies there and um again just tight market and whatnot i can't see seventy-five thousand tons holding i don't expect it to be 390 but uh you know probably closer to the middle of those type of those two numbers will uh settle out which means we'll have less needs for mexico to get to 13.5 percent or Kind of like we ended up 21-22, we ended up with a 14.3% stocks-to-use ratio. So, you know, maybe it's possible that uh, USDA is really targeting a little bit higher again and, you know, somewhere between that stated range of 13 to 15.5% will uh, come to fruition if my expectations are met anyway on the higher beat production and some of these higher uh, import numbers. And the other one is the USDA is also carrying a huge shortfall on the TRQ of 255,000 tons. So once they get to April uh, 1st, I'm sure we'll see some reallocations of some of these shortfalls to make it. And uh, the only other thing on that that the USDA pointed out was uh, earlier there was a mill in the Dominican Republic that was going to have their quota removed because of some labor practices issues. And we're understanding through some comments made in the section, the USDA is going to work with mills that are cooperating and uh, have good labor practices and redistribute those quotas out to the various producers that uh, are good. So anyway, that's really about it for uh, for sugar, Mike. So again, not, uh, not huge, but still plenty to talk about. 
Well, thank you, Kevin. And thank you, Eric. Uh, what a great recap to end the week uh, on a holy wasdy day. So uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up and uh, hope everybody enjoys their weekend. Uh, as I always like to say, live with an attitude of gratitude. Enjoy every minute moment with your friends and family. Don't you dare take it for granted. And until our next podcast, take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye now. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favelle's IQ Ingredient Intelligence platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini-favelle.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.